Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome this week to the Running Light podcast. My name is Bo. And I'm Peter. And our topic today is going to be what to do if you stumble back into uh, viewing pornography or self-gratifying or whatever else. <laughs> and and you know what? Depending on whatever else it is, it's probably going to be a different answer. Yeah. Don't you it's think? True. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you say, hey, I stumbled back into a man, like, you know, I went and got a prostitute, my answer is going to be a little different than if it's just... I struggled into pornography. In one sense, it will be different. But in one sense, it might be the same. Yeah. You know, in one way. But it's a good question. A lot of people kind of have that um, idea, you know. I think the first thing I'd like to say about that topic is there's kind of a thought um, that is like, I'm never supposed to stumble or I'm never ever going to again. Um, and stumbling into the sin just means I'm addicted to it Mm. kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, I I hear that a lot as well. I think there's this general idea. I, I don't really know where it comes from. I've always (laughs) tried to like figure out where it comes from because it's it's in me too. I thought that way too for so many years. Uh And I honestly like looking at my own heart, looking at my experience, I don't know where it comes from that I believe that or why I believe that or why other people believe that. But I mean, I, I think you've put it really well to me, Bo, is like, you know, would I expect that to be the case of pride? You know, would I really expect to never fall into pride again? And that's what victory looks like. Um, and, and obviously the answer is no. I don't think anyone would say that. Uh, when we look at the Christian life, when we look at what the Bible describes as a Christian life, the Christian life is one of constant combat between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, Galatians 5, 16, 17, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you want to do. So, I mean, if that was in Paul's mind um, what the Christian life looked like, then that's what I should expect, that I have inclinations in my flesh that go against the desire of the spirit and that I'm going to be in constant battle between it. Mm-hmm. And while we won't see complete victory this side of heaven we will certainly see victories this side of heaven mm-hmm. and and i think that's the beautiful thing yeah i agree i mean i think c.s lewis agrees too um uh we might agree with him we should say <laughs> <laughs> he did come first right <laughs> yeah but in his sexual immorality chapter i was just thinking about it when he he's at the end of it kind of he says we may indeed be sure that perfect chastity like perfect chastity, will not be attained by any merely human efforts. You must first seek God's help. Even when you have done so, it may seem to you for a long time that no help or less help than you need is being given. Mm -hmm. Never mind, after each failure, ask forgiveness, pick yourself up, and try again. Very often, what God first helps us towards is not the virtue itself, but just this power of always trying again. For however important chastity or courage or truthfulness or any other virtue may be, this process trains us in habits of the soul, which are more important still. Um, Which I think that's pretty good words. Yeah, those are excellent words. Yeah, so I kind of think that way too. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes it's weird. It's like, you know, I kind of came to a realization where I was like, oh, why do I treat 
you know, lust different from greed and different from, you know, um, anything else, you know, just covetousness, whatever other sin that's that's out there, you know, that's listed. Um, why is it? You know, it's not it's like the Ten Commandments. It's like the way our culture is, especially, you know, the Christian culture is like the Ten Commandments have, you know, do not steal, honor your mom and dad, you know, do not murder. And then there's like, do not commit adultery. Then there's a bullet point <laughs> to that one. Yeah. It's like, because if you do, <laughs> you, know I mean? yeah. you know, kind of thing. There's something special about that command. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that kind of, you know, has always irritated me a bit because I always felt uh, a little ostracized from the rest of the congregation. Like, man, uh, something's really maybe messed up with me or and then I started using, I think, more worldly words like, well, maybe I'm addicted and, and you know, and that's it. I'm just addicted to sex or, or maybe a certain kind of sex or sensuality or right. something like that, and which kind of tweaked me, too, you yeah. know, going in that direction. And I think that would be probably the, the first thing I'd want to talk about on this issue of falling back into something is that um, when we struggle with habitual sin, no matter what it is, if if our greatest fear and our greatest desire is to be free from that sin. And if we fall again, it's really easy to start defining yourself with terminology. And when you start defining yourself with terminology, such as addict, uh, worthless, you know, never, I can never stop. I'm, I'm, I'm just always going to habitually do this. This is just my thing. Um, when I start defining myself that way, I, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like what the book of Proverbs says, uh, the fear of the wicked will come upon him. You know, when you're when you're so terrified of something, you end up doing it. You know, you end up uh, yeah. falling into it just because you're afraid of it. Yeah. And uh, that that's like the worst place to be is when you're you're actually in that cycle of just falling and falling and falling and you can't get out and you feel worthless and, and helpless and and I think that uh, when we elevate sexual sin the way that we do, that is one of the biggest pitfalls that we can go into. Yeah, and I, I always think of Romans 7, you know, verse 8 says, But sin taking the opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. So it's like when we say, man, you know, it's like I fell back into that sin, you know, that it's, the, you know, it's that sin and, and now I'm a sex addict. And when you start heaping that kind of law up in your mind that there's this thing you can't attain to, that you're supposed to attain to, um, then you certainly, from Romans 7 perspective, you are setting yourself for, up for the ultimate failure. you know. And that's kind of the cool thing about Jesus, is Jesus is, in a sense, put to death, you know, the deeds of the law, you know, and, um, you know, he's, in a sense, put, put to death those handwritings of requirements that were nailed against us, it says in Colossians. So all the commandments of thou shalt not commit adultery that we couldn't attain to, you know, he took the, he, he took his blood and that was payment for our inability to do those things. And so I don't have to label myself. I don't have to say I'll never be able to do that or I'll, you know, I don't have to look to a law or to a, a, a some kind of place I'm supposed to be at. And, and that's the goal. My goal is to just love Jesus yeah. and learn to love Christ yeah. and and just enjoy him. And and I and I, and I and that's so simple. I know that's so simple. Uh, and we want to make it so harder. 
yeah. you know? Uh, why is that, man? Yeah. <laughs> why do we make this thing so difficult? Uh, it's, it's the same reason why people rejected Jesus in the first place. The message yeah. of the gospel is offensive to humanity. Yeah. Because the message of the gospel is you can never, ever live up to the requirements of God. Romans 3, verse 20 says, No flesh is justified by the law, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, mm -hmm. so that all mouths may be stopped and the world become guilty before God. So the idea that Paul's trying to drum up is that the whole point of the law of thou shalt not commit adultery uh, in my life was to show me that I am guilty before a holy and just God and worthy and deserving of wrath. And then the beautiful thing is that he finishes that and he says, therefore now God has made his justice manifest through the crucifixion of his son. And then in Romans 3.28, he says, Therefore we conclude that man is justified by faith apart from the law. Yeah, which is a great passage. Beautiful passage. And it sets us free from this whole ideal of like, um, you know, I need, to, I need to do things to be accepted by God. And for some of you guys who are listening to this, you know, I know this is like uh, Theology 101. And you might be like, yeah, I know that. It's by grace we're saved through faith. Uh, lest any man should boast. You know, I know that. But the question is, do you practically know that? And here's what I mean. If you really knew that, if you really understood that, when you fell to sin, would you beat yourself up as much as you do? Or would you understand, well, you know what? It's not by my actions that I'm saved in the first place. Yeah. You know, or, or to put it another way, what do you picture in your head when you see God's face after you stumble to sin? Do you see him like, you know, looking down on you, like just being like, you suck, you know, you're terrible. Why can't you fix yourself? You know, why can't you do this one simple thing? Yeah, or turning away. Turning away, being frustrated with you, being angry with you. Or do you see Jesus in uh, John chapter 7 where he looks at the, the whore caught in adultery and he says, neither do I condemn you. Like, mm -hmm. do you see that? Do you hear him say that? And, uh... What that reveals, if, if, if your honest answer is no, which would be honest, I think for most of us, if your honest answer is no, the point is, is that you don't understand grace like this. You understand it intellectually, but it hasn't seeped into your heart yet, or not fully, should I say. Yeah. I'm not saying that it hasn't at all. Yeah. I'm just saying that there needs to be, in all of us, me too, a sanctification process where I begin to understand the grace of God more fully. And one of the ways he does it is actually, ironically, it's through my failure. He demonstrates his love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's certainly not that we want to go on and fail. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and through the work of a Holy Spirit, of a holy God, you know, we're being transformed into his image, you know, by grace upon grace. And, 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 but certainly... Uh, you know, God knows our frailty and he knows that we will stumble and we will fall. Mm. And um, and certainly that is a, a tool that has been used in a lot of our lives to understand grace for sure. Um, but, yeah, I think that's an important concept is that, you know, you understand that that that, you know, the relationship we have with Jesus is is sufficient. You know, mm. what Jesus did is sufficient and it's enough. And um, so, you know, I'll, I'll walk people through kind of when I've stumbled. Usually what I've always done is I've um, talked to God. Hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's simply put. I mean, when I I mean, I've had times where I've stumbled into porn um, all night, man. And then I just simply even when I was watching porn, I was talking to God. 
And I was saying, God, what am I doing? Hmm. You know what I mean? And and some people would go, that's that's blasphemy. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know that that kind of thing. But it's hypocrisy, or yeah. Yeah, but I don't know of any other relationship with God. You know, hmm. I really don't. Um, all I know is that um, you know is to talk to God honestly about the issues in my life and whether I'm in the good in the right spot or whether I'm in the bad spot Um, and that's how it's always been for me even when I was in drugs over 23 years ago um, I remember even doing drugs talking to God Mm. you know and um, you know I had this underlying idea in my head and that was that God called me and he loved me and um and nothing shook me off of that premise you know so um i had that really rooted in um at the moment that um i um i think read the bible and this is maybe how that premise got so rooted in Mm. um was i started reading the bible from genesis on and if you read the bible really from Genesis on, you really get a really wonderful picture um, that I think a lot of people don't have because maybe they only have one half of their Bible. Um, But if you get through, if you can go through the whole thing, um, and you should be able to now with Bible apps and everything, I mean, you can listen to the Bible now all the time. But I always got this idea that God consistently pursued and was involved and loved people that really were a mess. And that really struggled. When they were in the covenant with God, they were in the covenant. It's like that was it. They were in. You know, they were part of the covenant. And um, and and so from reading that, I always had this underlying thought that God, that I was in the covenant with God. I said yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. And, and he loved me and he was going to pursue me and he was going to come after me just as he pursued everybody that I saw in the Old Testament. And that I was reading about. So, um, you know, at the moment of stumbling, talking to God is, you know, is something that has always come up in my mind, you know, and that's why. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, the obvious question to, to someone to, and I'll point this towards myself because, uh, unlike Bo, I I have always struggled with the idea of when I fell of does God really love me? Does He care about me? Am, am I being a hypocrite if I talk to him right now? You know, am I taking his grace for granted? You know, and I've always kind of feared that in my own life. And um, the, the question I have to point to myself in those times is when I'm thinking that way, aren't I promoting, you know, just think about it. Aren't you promoting an ideology of God that says that God judges you based on your good works or your evil works? And that's not the doctrine of grace. And, and, and to put this more simply, if I can't come to God in my failures and I feel I'm only worthy to come to God in my successes, then doesn't that show that my version of God is a God who loves me because of what I do and not what Jesus has done? Yeah, it's like a Santa Claus version. That's right. It's it's And that's not God. Um, I mean, listen to this. This is Isaiah 30, verse 18. God speaking to his people who are not in the right at all, right? They're in idolatry, hardcore idolatry, hardcore sexual immorality. 
going to temples, having sex with prostitutes, bringing idols into their households and having orgies in their households before poles. And this is what God says to them. Isaiah 30, verse 18, he says, Therefore the Lord will wait. And the NIV renders this a little better, I think. It says, The Lord longs that he may be gracious to you. Mm. And therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So here's this idea that God, as they're sinning, God is not up in heaven wanting to destroy them, but he's up in heaven longing to forgive them. Mm -hmm. And what he's waiting for, which is really interesting, he's waiting for them to confess to him Mm. so that he might be just in his forgiveness, which is really radical because... I think the people of Israel were struggling a lot the way that we struggle. We're like, no, we're in sin. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And God says, if you do that, then the only thing that's for you is wrath because that is what actually is coming to you. Mm-hmm. But if you confess in humility, then you're acknowledging my attribute of grace and then I can forgive you because that's the kind of God that I am. I long to be gracious. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the picture of God that we see in, in the Bible. Yeah, what a picture that is, too. You know, it's so different. And, you know, in reading, if you just read over the Psalms, too, if you just have a really good grasp of the Psalms, you're kind of going to walk away from the Psalms as going, you know, this guy David was, was a, a guy who certainly, when he stumbled, he seemed to talk to God. And um, he seen, and, and what's interesting is he talks to God during the most interesting times. I think of the time when he he makes himself to um, uh, he um, fakes uh, madness before the his enemy king, and um, and he writes a psalm. I forget which psalm it is, um, but he writes a psalm during that time, <laughs> and and it's neat because you read the psalm, and if I rec- recollect recollect right. Um, the psalm is like, you would never think that that's what was going through his mind, <laughs> you know, as he was, uh, you know, making like he was mad before the, the king. And, and, and it just shows that, you know, even though he was going through this issue of all this sin, you know, of, of, of being mad before, uh, faking madness before the king. I mean, I, I, w- I would say that that's a sinful act. You know what I mean? It's not like he was being righteous or trusting the Lord or <laughs> anything like that. But if you read the psalm, it just sounded so different. Yeah, it's Psalm 34. Yeah. Psalm 34. Read and some of it. Uh, listen to this. This is uh, verse 5. They looked to God and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out to the Lord, and he heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in God. Wow, and that's amazing. Psalm thirty-four, eight. That that's that's what he's writing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think that's what I remember. After he just totally yeah. bailed to yeah. trusting in God. Yeah, but yeah, because yeah, you read the psalm and you go, "Wow, this dude's trusting the Lord hardcore." <laughs> I mean, this this is what John Piper books are like. Yeah. You know, writing on. You know what I mean? He's delighting in the Lord. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Right? You know, but never mind. He's he's you know in in a in a real yucky place yeah. you know what i mean uh sinful place i mean to to be uh you know faking madness before the the enemy you yeah. know um uh, certainly not a a a uh, example of faith or great faith <laughs> at all for any of us you know mm. so 
you know, I mean, there you see a guy who's in the midst of it, and and David just is constantly, it seems like, in this place where, you know, he he stumbles and falls, and and he even I was reading even in Psalm 56, which um, it's to the chief musician set to the silent dove in distant lands. <laughs> um, it's a type of song of David. It says when the Philistines captured him in Gath. Okay, so he's captured and he's talking about, you know, in God, I will praise his word in God. I will praise his word in God. I will put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Right. Like, you know, and then he says in verse 12, vows um, made to you are binding upon me. O God, I will render praises to you for you have delivered my soul from death. You have kept my, you have not kept my feet from falling, hmm. that I may walk before God in the light of the living. <laughs> really interesting. Very you know what interesting. I mean? Yeah. You know? And, and it's not the only place that David is like this, you know, where he says things like, you have not kept my feet from falling. Um, you know, where, you know, sometimes we get this idea that God is going to keep, like, he's going to keep us totally stumble free, like, like he's we're never ever going to stumble because God is on for us and that's a kind of a to me uh kind of a scary you can take that a little scary too much because then you start you then you do understand that you're a sinner and that there is that Galatians 5 fight that's going on and then when you do fail then you're automatically going to beat yourself up and then then like some theology is going to come in your brain that's going to be like well, God didn't keep me from falling, therefore God probably is not for me. Hmm. And then if God is not for me, then obviously I'm stuck, man. Then then I, I don't even know if I'm saved. Um, you know, and, and there are passages in the New Testament that you, we look at, and I think of like Jude, um, a passage there where it says, Now him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen now if you interpret that passage as as God is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless um, if if you take that as that you are never going to stumble or mm. you're going to be uh, sinless mm. Um, then you pretty much run into some serious issues with most of the Bible, yeah. right? Because then, then what's the point of confession? What's the point of, you know, any of that thing? Then you look at anybody who stumbled in the New Testament or Old Testament, and you obviously go, well, obviously they're not in the kingdom because yeah. <laughs> God didn't keep them from stumbling and keep them faultless. So Peter, he's definitely out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 Paul's out too because Paul was a covetousness covetous man yeah you know and he admits to his sin yeah you know so it's like he obviously and he was afraid we know in one passage in the book of acts he was fearful Mm. and god had to reassure him that don't be afraid man i'm i'm okay you know i'm with you so he stumbled into that elijah mode yeah you know and um that fear so you know we can't interpret this as saying that god's going to keep us from stumbling in the sense of all areas of sin Hmm. you know to me what i get this uh, the idea is that jesus his blood is able to prevent me from stumbling in the sense of rejecting him you know saying no to him like as 
as a child of God and as someone who has been called and elect into the kingdom of God, he is like I think Spurgeon said it best is he who calls is he who sanctifies. You know, when God calls you, he also sets you apart. Yeah. He prevent you know, there is no going back, yeah. you know, for the one who truly is in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how I look at that, because I think if you look at it in the other way, <laughs> you, I mean, man, you're like, what? OK, well, then. Why confess our sins to one another? I mean, yeah. that would be mean we stumbled. It's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. I mean, why did Jesus teach us to pray, our Father art in heaven, you know, yeah. forgive us our trespasses as so we forgive others' trespass against us. <laughs> what are you us. talking about? So that's a huge quagmire because it's admitting, first of all, that you bail and that everyone around you bails. <laughs> so <laughs> there's like, so I mean, obviously Jesus was, you know, not saying the right thing when he said that. If I believe truly that if I am sanctified by the Holy Spirit, that means I never fall into sin again. Yeah, uh, which I, I think is just a, a gross misunderstanding of that passage, and it will destroy you if you believe that. Yeah, absolutely. That's so. So you know, so bringing when you when you when you stumble or stumbling, talk to God. Hmm. I mean that. I mean you know that's what we're trying to help you guys see is that you know even David when he says you have uh, he says uh, have you not kept my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living. He, I mean, he's even, he's talking to God as he's writing this. I mean, this is what he's doing. He's singing the song, yeah. but he's, he's singing it to the Lord, yeah. you know, as he's talking about this issue. Yeah. Um, the other passage I, I wanted to bring up was Psalm 37, which has always been a good one that I've always looked at. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Hmm. You know, which obviously that has a lot of uh, references to uh, John and that uh, no one will snatch you out of the father's hand or Jesus's hand. So you have a ton of hands holding us <laughs> up, you know. Yeah. Um, so but it's another passage that says, though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. Hmm. You know, and again, this is David, you know, talking about this. Yeah. You know, yeah. so in the midst of, you know, you, you, we have to kind of deal with this theology because, mm. you know, if we don't, we are going to go through this thing where we're going to do the three-day <laughs> fast, yeah. right? From God, yeah. From God. And you, every single time I've done that, I've ended up falling more. <laughs> so it ends up leading me to fall more. And it, every single time I fall, it just, like, puts a wedge deeper and deeper into my relationship with God. Uh, I like what Micah says. I uh, was kind of on the same – he's on the same kind of path as David – so after he bails, um, in Micah 7, he says this, Micah 7, verse 8, he says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Now, I like that passage because it's not, um, you know, I, I think we get it from David, but we also get it from Micah that we're certainly not saying that, you know, when you come before God, you're just like, hey, God, I blew it, but whatever, you forgive me. Yeah, you know? certainly not. Uh, you know, in his in his section, he's like, dude, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him. Meaning Micah's heart is broken because he sinned against God, who he loves. Yeah, we know we're burdened by yeah. it. I mean, yeah, th and we're talking about people, definitely a context of, you know, we're burdened by our sin. Yeah, yeah, and certainly. But for me, and, and I'm certainly, uh, I'm absolutely certain for Micah as well. His burden over his sin is not, I feel like God is angry with me. And we know that because his very next thing is he says, until God pleads my case and executes justice for me, mm -hmm. he will bring me forth to light. I will see his righteousness. So here he sees God as being the one who's 
vindicating him, protecting him, and pulling him forward. So it's God who's empowering him and forgiving him. And that's a little bit of prophecy from Micah. Because at this point, he didn't really, I don't believe he fully understood what he was even saying. But we in the new covenant completely understand what he's saying. Mm -hmm. That God has a wrath over us, but God the Son has vindicated us, has forgiven us through his blood. And now he pleads our case and makes us just before God. And that's what Micah is getting at. So when I come and I confess before God, certainly I love him and I care about him. And that's why I feel bad. Because I didn't do something that he wanted me to do, and I feel bad about that because I love him. Mm -hmm. However, I also rejoice that he's pleading my case, and he's interceding for me before the throne of God, and that he's going to give me the power to lift me out of this muck and keep walking towards him. That's right. And and if and if you're listening and you go, hey, you know what, I, I really don't have all that understanding of the theology. It's all kind of heavy for me, and it's a lot you know, right now, and I'm just trying to, you know, kind of get Jesus under my belt, but I keep stumbling into sin. You know what I, I would tell you too? Just keep learning. Mm. You know, just keep growing in your walk with God. You know, just keep reading, keep studying, keep praying. Mm. You know, um, you know, I love what Paul says in Hebrews 13, uh, 9, or, or I think it's 13, 9, where um, it says, let your heart be established in, in grace, by grace. Um, it might not have been Paul who wrote that, but <laughs> I tend to attribute <laughs> it to him. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, he says, let your heart be established in grace, man. It's like, you know, and that's really the, 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 always the contrast in the New Testament is either go back to the law and try to heat, try to do the law and try to beat yourself up. And I can't do the law. I can't do the law. Beat yourself up, beat yourself up or rest in the grace of God. Mm. Rest in the, in the finished work of Christ. Mm. You know, enter into your rest in Hebrews chapter 4. Mm. You know, enter into that place where you cease from your labor. I love that passage in Hebrews 4. Mm. Cease from your labor, man. I don't, I'm don't. i going to stop striving. Mm. You know, I'm going to stop striving. Mm. I'm not going to try to stop anything. I'm just going to learn about Jesus and learn to rest in his goodness mm. in my life. And that's what I would tell you, you know. Yeah. I would tell anybody that. And, 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 you know, so the next thing to do, let's go into maybe another step that we can do. Okay. You finally, you know, you, you, you know, you talk to God, which is great. What's probably another thing that someone could do? Yeah, so for me, the next thing that I would do is, um, I would confess mm -hmm. and there's several reasons for it. Uh, the first one that I would say is, uh, it's what you just mentioned, Bo, the idea of learning grace and when I say confess, we've talked about this before, but when we talk about confession, I'm not just saying confess to any old person. In Galatians 6, verse 1, it says, If any of you are overtaken in sin, let you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And what Paul is saying is saying that like, when I'm confessing to people, for this purpose, if I just fell to sin, it really doesn't do me any good to come up to a random person on the street and be like, dude, I just fell to porn. You know, pray for me. You know, it's, just, it's not going to help me at all. You know, I they need might to, trip out on you. Yeah, they'd be like, whoa, <laughs> like, dude, what the heck are you talking about? You know, it'd be weird for them. You know, but if I go and I and I confess to someone who is spiritual, I mean, someone who has a strong walk with God, who is fighting their sin, who knows what it is to brawl, then all of a sudden, the first thing that they can help me do is they could help me use my fall as bad as it was as a chance and an opportunity to learn and to grow. 
right? Because we know that our Lord and our Savior, He loves using our right decisions, but there's not many of them if you're anything like me. Yeah. You know, and so He will use our failures. Yeah. And so it's kind of like the way I always think about like sports. You know, if you were a football team or a basketball team and you lost, or or a soccer team, whatever, and you lost a game. I mean, what coach would just be like, hey, we lost it, whatever, we suck, you know, let's just, you know, pout for a while and then we'll go back and play again. No, what do you do? You sit down and you figure out why you lost. You figure out what could we have done better? How could I have changed it a little bit? And like the proverb says, in the multitude of counselors, wisdom is established. So when I'm talking to a spiritual brother and I'm talking to them about, hey, man, you know, I, I fell into porn the other night. One of the first things that we should do is we should figure out why I fell and if there's anything I could do better next time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, if, 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 you know, I think, I think back on a lot of times I confessed to you, Bo, mm-hmm. and you would say things like, hey, you know, how did you access porn? You know, what, what was your avenue? Yeah. And then we would talk about that, be like, oh, you know, it was, it was on my computer. Well, we should probably put a blocker on that, you know, and it would be, it very, be, be very practical things. Because if, I, if I'm if i not learning from my mistakes, I'm going to repeat my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Bible is telling me. I need to understand why I'm falling so that I can correct it if I can. Yeah, and we always know it's a hard issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some would say, well, why do I need to cut it off? Because, you know, hey, you know, my it's really a hard issue. Well, we cut it off because we just want to have the peace mm-hmm. in our heart. As we're dealing with uh, God's working on our heart, <laughs> you know what I mean. We want some peace in our heart, yeah. and sometimes cutting off something just in the temporary uh, can be really, really amazing. And like I've said too, it's like, you, you know, I, and I agree. Like confessions, you know, important. And, and let me just kind of get my thoughts here. Yeah, is that this is a difficult step for you, for any of us, and. Um, you know, when it comes to like issues like pornography and masturbation and, 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 or adultery or anything like that, you know, we understand that these are really difficult issues and some of them are even more sensitive than others for sure. Hmm. Um, but most people don't, aren't working in this framework, um, as a Christian, meaning most Christians just are not daily going, Hey, you know, gosh, dude, I ate that pie. You know what I mean? I'm going to go confess my sin to a brother. Mm. And, you know, you know, our man, dude, I just drank two liters of Coke in two days. Like, our man, you know what? I just got a big gulp of Mountain Dew mm. at Circle K, like one of those 50-something ounces, you know, the giant ones. And I sucked it down, and I'm 300 pounds. Mm. You know what I mean? And a lot of, a lot of people, meaning a, there's uh, not many people are like, really sensitive to the issues of sin hmm. you know meaning you know they're not sensitive to the point of like are convicted to the point where they go i need to confess something hmm. you know what i mean yeah. i need to actually open up and tell someone about it yeah you know what i mean yeah and, and i think it was matthew henry the commentary who talks about it being a rarity it, it, you know that that it's just a that that conviction can be a real rarity in our life sometimes we need to pray god just give me a a conviction Mm. of heart to where i i need to tell someone yeah you know where it's i'm just i'm prompted by the spirit i'm compelled yeah you know to move in in coming into the light you know so um 
you know, so I understand when it's that difficult, you know, but it is so good. I mean, it's awesome when you're able to get with a brother and just say, hey, man, I, I, I love it when I get with you and just say, hey, dude, it's been a rough week with lust and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And, and, yeah. and, and it's it's nice to be able to bounce those things off of yeah. one another, you know. Um, you know, and the, the, the I would say one of the other aspects of what you do when you stumble is after that confession is you hint it on it, but it's then like to be meticulous. Um, you know, to really go through and, and you got to go through, um, kind of everything. And this is the reason why, cause like I would, I would ask like, you know, I remember talking to you and, uh, you know, like what time, what time did you stumble? When do you stumble? When are you struggling? You know, those type of things. Cause that sometimes is really important. Like someone might randomly stumble. Like I had a guy the other day who randomly stumbled in the afternoon. You know what I mean? He hasn't stumbled in, in a long time. And he just kind of randomly stumbled um, in the afternoon. He 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 got attacked. He got this urge, man. And he just, he fulfilled it. You know what I mean? Kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of thing. And it was just kind of random. But a, a lot of times it doesn't happen like that. Usually a lot of times we kind of fall into some patterns. Yeah. So it's like if you, if, if, you know, if you find yourself stumbling at a certain time, then you have to be meticulous about it and go, hey, well, what's the hours that I got to really watch? You know what I mean? What are those What are those times? What am I doing in those times? You know, what's around me in my times? Be meticulous. Do I have lotion around me? Hmm. You know, I mean, I know that sounds weird, but, <laughs> but it's so true. Yeah, it's practical. You know, I, I always think about Joshua. You know, you, you quoted Hebrews 4, let us be yeah. diligent to enter in the rest. Yeah. Hebrews 4 is directly dealing with Joshua entering into the land. Yeah. And God clearly said to Joshua, every place you put the sole of your foot is yours. Mm-hmm. And yet Joshua didn't just be like, hey, let's just run in there and just fight, you know. He was meticulous. He thought it through. You know, yeah. you, you look at some of his invasions of AI and the other nations around. Mm-hmm. He sometimes used flanking tactics. He attacked them from the night. He attacked them like he thought through his assault. Now, he could have just been like, hey, man, like God's for me. Who cares? I'm you just know? running. I'm just going to do it. You know, and <laughs> I, I think that's the way that some Christians think of like, man, like, man, no thing formed against me can succeed. Dude, I got this. You know, I'm a child yeah. of God. Let's stand still and let the let God protect me. Mm-hmm. And and then they go out and they get they get beat up and they're like, What happened? And it's like, dude, you need to think. You know, God definitely yes, He's for you, He desires your betterment. But if you're not thinking through things, you're proceeding on the grace of God. You're proceeding on something that God hasn't necessarily promised you. Mm-hmm. You know, God wants to work through you so that you become mature as a Christian and you're thinking through things. Mm. Um, and, and one one last thought on, on confession. This is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a pastor during World War II uh, in Germany. So he has a pretty radical testimony. He wrote a book called Life Together. And in that book, he has a whole chapter on confession. And the whole chapter is awesome. And I would encourage you guys to read it. You can find it on Google uh, without getting the whole book. But let me just read th- this one part of it. It's, it says, Breaking through to certainty. In confession, a man breaks through to certainty. Why is it that it is often easier for us to confess our sins to God than to a brother? God is holy and sinless. He is just and evil, uh, just of evil and the men uh, and the enemy of all disobedience. But a brother is sinful as we are. He knows from his own experience the dark night of secret sin. Why should we not find it easier to go to the brother than to the holy God? 
But if we do, we ask ourselves whether we have not often been deceiving ourselves with our confession of sin to God, whether we have not rather been confessing our sins to ourselves and also granting ourselves absolution. And is not the and this is not and this is the reason perhaps for our countless relapses and feebleness of our Christian disobedience, uh, to be found precisely in the fact that we are living on self-forgiveness and not real forgiveness. Mm. Uh, later on, he says, "Who can forgive us? Who can give us the certainty that in confession and the forgiveness of our sins we are not dealing with ourselves, but with the living God?" God gives us this certainty through our brother. Our brother breaks the circle of self-deception. A man who confesses his sin in the presence of a brother knows that he is no longer alone with himself. He experiences the presence of God in the reality of the other person. Mm. And then later on, he says this. Um, he says, he talks about concrete confessions, which Bo alluded to. He says, some people just want to make a general confession. But he says, but concrete confessions are necessary because one experiences the utter perdition and corruption of the human nature insofar as this enters into the experience at all. When one sees his own specific sins, self-examination on the basis of the Ten Commandments will therefore be right preparation for confession. Mm. And then he finally ends and he says this. Um, he says, confession is not a divine law. He said, it is possible that a person may never know what it is to doubt his own forgiveness and despair of his own confession of sin, that he may be given everything in his own private confession to God. We have spoken here for those who cannot make this assertion. Luther himself was one of those for whom the Christian life was unthinkable without mutual brotherly confession. In the large catechism, he said, therefore, when I admonish you to confession, I am admonishing you to be a Christian. Those who, despite all their seeking and trying, cannot find the great joy of fellowship, the cross, the new life, and certainty, should be shown the blessing that God offers us in mutual confession. Mm. Confession is within the liberty of the Christian. Who can refuse, without suffering loss, a help that God has deemed it necessary to offer? Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, powerful. A lot of stuff there to think about, <laughs> Mr. Bonhoeffer. Yeah, no, man. <laughs> that chapter is just so good. You know? Yeah, that's great. It's good stuff. But um, you might need to rewind and play that one again <laughs> just, to, just to read through it again. But yeah. it's, um, you know, it, it's so true, right? I mean, he's basically saying, you know, confession is a part of the Christian life. Mm. It's just as much a part of the Christian life as as you know reading our bible it's 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 something that we we do it's cuz because of who we are um and um you know to be able to share with someone um is in a sense um you know certainly a taking ownership but also partnering partnering i heard kind of with someone mm. in in the battle and in the struggle and um certainly you'd be blessed to do that so i know that's scary and you might have done it before and and that's the one thing that when you when you do fall back into an area of sin, whether it's eating pie or whether it's watching something that you shouldn't watch or something, you know, you talk to God about it, but you know nothing's wrong with getting with those people and you know talking to someone about it, mm-hmm. you know, and then being meticulous and then setting up the gu- guidelines that you need to set up, um, you know, to help you through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be surprised if you. If you, you know, for those that self-gratify and things like that, if you get rid of the things that you use to self-gratify, you know, that'll be a big help, you know, because self-gratification is all about feeling good. 
you know, and, you know, even though I know some of you out there, some guys out there, man, they've rubbed themselves raw, dude. And, I mean, that's how bad it gets, you know, where they, you know, I know that's kind of a raw thing to to share, but it's true where sometimes people are so compelled to self-gratify that, um, you know, they do, in a sense, harm to their body uh, in doing it. And I know, uh, you know, so many out there, you know, I think the biggest burden me and Peter feel is that, man, we, we have talked to people that are just so downcast, man, after, you know, the, the millionth bail, mm. you know, and they're, they're just fishing for the right program, man. They're just, they're fishing for anything. I'm going to go away on a six month journey. I've, I had, I've had people go away on six month camps, you know, Christian camps to defeat pornography addiction, you know, this is this treatment, that treatment, you know, uh, electric chair treatment, uh, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, um, you know, it reminds me of the old Stephen King movie, uh, Cat's Eye, where the dude tries to quit smoking and he gets hooked up with the mafia and the mafia says, well, we'll get you to stop smoking. And what's, what are the, what's the penalty for you, you stumbling? It's throw your wife into a electrical uh, charged room hmm. and watch her get shocked and if that doesn't happen they cut off her finger <laughs> and it just goes on from there you know what I mean but I, I know I know Christian dudes that will would go to any would just do it they would if the mafia set up a shop and said dude we'll get you to stop porn they'd do it they'd, they'd sign up hmm. you know what I mean and you know you know we have to come to the great physician. I mean, you know, Jesus, we have to come to him and come to the cross. And, you know, and I always think, you know, I want I want the Lord to get the glory for anything that he's going to do in my life. I mean, you know what I mean? I want the Lord. I don't want it to be a program. I don't want it to be something where I'm like, you know, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm really thankful for that guy over there. He really did it. You know what I mean? It's his program that did it. I want to be like, it's the Lord, man. And I know the Lord can use those programs and I'm. Not saying that, but I'm, but but I, I mean, I think you hear my heart. It's like there's there's so many dudes that are so desperate mm. that their their eyes get off of just like, hey God, you know, let me just come to you and just fall at your feet, man. Just fall at your feet. Yeah, it almost comes to the point like in my life where freedom from the sin was like an idol. Yeah, it became greater. It became greater than God. It it really had nothing to do with God at the end. It was just like, man, I just want to be free because I want to be free. Yeah, and that that is so, and that itself is bondage. Mm. You know, it's like freedom. Freedom is is knowing that I'm forgiven. Mm. I mean, really, that's freedom, is knowing I am forgiven. Mm. You know, and um, man, there's there's so much there just in that statement alone. To know that Christ is is for me and He's forgiven me, mm. um, you know. I you know I think the saying's true. You know, you want to battle sin from victory, mm. you know, not for victory. Mm. You know, and that mindset's really helpful. Um, so you have to, you know, certainly, you know, talking to God, confessing your sins to someone else, being meticulous about sin. Um, learning to grow in that that accountability that you have with people, mm-hmm. you know, I would say is a, you know maybe the last thing we could touch on. Yeah. But you know, is that's that would be the other step to do is just learn to start talking to someone about your your life. Mm-hmm. You know, let that be your accountability. You know, um, 
and um, you know that type of thing. It's amazing. You want to talk to people who are open to talk about their how they walk with the Lord too, as you alluded to. So think through those things. I think this week um, we'll stop there on the podcast. It's, it was a good one though. A lot of good stuff to talk about for sure. Yeah. You know we'll want to play it again and listen to it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll catch you guys next week. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. <laughs>